What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Jays Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Rob, as usual. Wasn't here last week, but I'm glad to be on now. And we're joined, as always, by our co-host. We have Mo. Mo, what's up, man? Nothing much. You know, it's a typical off day for the Jays again this week. But, you know, uh, the Jays are back home tomorrow in Dunedin, so it should be a good series against the Nats. Absolutely. And we also have our other co-host. We got James. James, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, man. Just came off an absolutely lit. I'm talking lit. Shawarma experience, man. Osmos is the freaking place to be. One chicken, one beef. Can't go wrong with it. Love it. Especially those late night shawarma days. They oh, different, yes. man. They really do. We have a special guest on today. We're going to our contributor stream. We have Steve coming on. Steve, you can catch him on our post-game streams. He's kind of taken that role and ran with it. A lot like some of these Jays players that have stepped up early on in the year. Steve, we're so happy you're here with us. Welcome to your Jays Banter debut. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be Yeah, definitely a lot to be excited about, especially this past week. The Jays come off a, I would say, a successful road trip. I mean, uh, I consider this road trip that started a week ago after the Kansas City series because that was the last time we recorded. So ever since our last podcast, uh, things have been going well. The Jays are 3-2 and two in that span. They won the series against the Rays at Tropicana Field, which anytime you can win two out of three at the Trop, always great. But I just want to ask you guys, before we get into the specifics of things, your pulse about this team over the course of this last week. And we'll start with you, Steve. We'll get our guests on first. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it was great to see us split one with the Red Sox in Fenway and then go into the Trop. Oh, my. Like, you got to burn the Trop to the ground. That place has just been a been a curse for us over well, as, as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, to come out of uh, out of Tampa with two out of three against some really good pitching, you know we had we had a chance to to crack out the brooms too. We kind of wasted a great uh, performance by Robbie Ray and and the guy I thought who was going to give us the most trouble, Tyler Glasnow. He uh, we were able to get to him early and just kind of ride it out from there. So definitely a great week, uh, some great play against some division rivals. Yeah, absolutely. We'll kind of go to Mo now. Mo, between your nightmares of Ryan Yarbrough and Josh Fleming, how did you ultimately find this series? Um, it's good to know that the Jays are still consistent with the bats. They've been pretty ice cold. You know, yesterday only scored one run, uh, leaving a lot of guys on base. So that's been a big storyline coming into the season because I guess we were all wrong coming to the season thinking that the Jays would be a red-hot offensive team and then really bad pitching. And then look at our ERA, third in the majors behind the Dodgers and the Padres. So that's been a big storyline. It doesn't really help when most of your guys are hitting below 220, guys like Semyon, Biggio, um, Tellez, Guriel, and Andrew Jansen. And surprise, surprise, Gritchick's hitting 300. So that's all you got to know about this season so far. And the, I like the series overall. Um, good pitching, as always. So hopefully we can build a, um, upon this series and get some more dubs. Yeah, pitching is definitely going to be a focal point today. That's what we're going to be talking about just shortly. Before you do that, James... Your take, man, quickly, 30 seconds before uh, we go on to the beef of the show. Well, I'm going to keep it plain and simple. The fact that this team is as injured as they are and it's beaten up as they are, you know, the fact that they've won three of four, I think that if we, if we look at it more closely, yeah, they're three and two over their last five games, but they're three and one over their last four. So it looks a lot better. And they're only a game under 500 with all the injuries they've had. It's, and they've beaten a lot of American League East teams. I think that's something to not snub your nose at, the fact that they've beaten AL East teams, no matter how you do it. Wins are wins. And at this point in the season, 
that's all you care about. You don't care about putting pretty wins together. That happens maybe in September when you want to want to kind of finalize things before the year, the, 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 the playoffs get going. But right now, this early in the year with the injuries they've had, just, just find a way to get wins. And they've, they have. No doubt about that, especially with their pitching right now, fourth in the American League in ERA. That's what Mo posted earlier today on our Blue Jays Center account. They're tied for eighth in whip, tenth in batting average against. They've been getting a whole lot of good performances early on. Steve, what's been your most pleasant surprise up to this point? What has been the driving factor in their pitching exceeding expectations early on this year? Well, I mean, I think we all went into the season expecting Ryu to be, you know, the the artist that he is. And uh, but Steven Matz, I mean, we've gotten four really quality starts out of him. Uh, and and I, I didn't see that coming into the year. I mean, I knew he wasn't as bad as he was last year and, and did expect to see him kind of come back and bounce back a little bit, but he's been outstanding. And then, I, I mean, you got to hand it to the bullpen. Uh, they have just, their back must be hurting from carrying us so much on those, on those bullpen days that we throw out there. Seemingly 40% of our turn through the rotation is bullpen days. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at some of the other guys, Robbie Ray notably had an outstanding start. I think you guys mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we could have gotten a sweep. And a big reason why we kind of feel like it was a missed opportunity was because Robbie Ray was really good. James, we all thought Robbie Ray was going to have a bounce back year. So far, so good if we're being honest. You look at the overall raw numbers. But on Sunday, pardon me, on Saturday, he looked phenomenal. I think that was the best we've seen him look in a Jays uniform. Why was he so effective? Yeah, I think it's it's cut and dry. Yeah, it's what we've talked about since the moment that he came over to this team. If that guy can throw strikes, he'll be fine. He he has the stuff to play. Mama said, didn't he not walk a guy and had nine strikeouts? I mean that no matter if he gave up what two home runs, it was a two run shot and a solo shot. But as I always say with this pitching stuff, man, you just got to give your team a chance to win, and and that's what he did. You know, he a couple home runs, not a big deal, and unfortunately the Jays lost that game in in ugly fashion. But he was great. He was pounding the strike zone and with the stuff that he has. If, if he can do something, maybe not walk nobody every time, but if he can get a walk or two over five or six, the guy can be dominant. And, and, and you clearly saw that in, in his last outing. And I'm, I'm curious to see what he does in his next one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Where the control is there. For sure, for sure. And now I, uh, I, I left Mo last intentionally because every time Steven Matz has a dominant outing, I just <laughs> I, try to, I try to limit the amount of time that Mo has to indulge in his success and his calling <laughs> abilities on the show. Uh, but Mo, here's your few seconds of fame. Take it away, man. This is positive moment of fame, too. This is great. Here we go. Let's hear it. J- Mo being positive about a Jays player? What? I know. Yeah, oh, you didn't say is- a negative surprise, so I was going to get to that, too, so... Oh, okay, well, we'll get to the negatives be. eventually. Let's take the positive for what it is, all right? All right, all right. So, Steven Matz, um, I've already said this last week. Rinse, wash, and repeat for me, I guess. Um, kind of, as soon as the trade really happened on Twitter, I kind of instantly thought it was going to be the Jays talk to someone I know. Like, oh, yeah, he's um, looks like he has the best changeup in the league. It'd be a pretty decent move for the Jays. Gives up a lot of home runs. Then the trade happened. Jeff Passan reported it, and I was like, sweet. Jays got their guy. Only give up Sean Reed Foley. And Yenzi Diaz for Steven Matz. Uh, only one year, Steven Matz. If he keeps pitching like this, he's going to have a big payday next offseason. Only 29 years old out of New York. But, man, his ability to 
get his fastball up to 97. And his off-speed for strikes is just amazing. I called it earlier, I believe in February. I said he's going to be an all-star. I think that's possible. Um, top 10 Cy Young, that's a stretch. But who knows? Crazy things have happened. But yeah, Steven Matz is my guy so far. Biggest surprise also. Also, shout-outs to David Phelps and Tyler Chotwood in the bullpen for both um, holding it down over there. And yeah, like the pitching so far for the Jays. Hopefully, they don't burn and crash in June. I really hope so, but all, all signs positive right now. All right, so now that I gave you your vegetables, talking about positives, we'll get to hear your take on the negative side of things. The Blue Jays starting pitching mm. has been very good, mm. despite the fact that there are a lot of ground ball pitchers, and Ryu gets a lot of ground balls, Steven Matz gets a lot of ground balls, even TJ Zoik, who made starts occasionally at the start of the year, he's a ground ball pitcher. And you kind of wonder how they've been getting these good results, despite the fact that the left side of the infield low has not been good at all. They're Here we go. In fielding percentage, Arm me as, up. as a team overall. And when you look at it, that's mostly attributed to the left side of the infield. Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, who have been playing regularly at shortstop and third base, respectively, have not been getting it done early on in the season. Uh, Mo, I w- go ahead, man. This is your time to shine. Yeah, so obviously infield defense, kind of a big thing when you got your best pitcher on the mound, a contact pitcher, Hunjin Ryu, really fast pitcher that gets those ground balls. You really want a nice infield behind them. Having Biggio has been the opposite to that. He's been literal garbage at third base, and that's a compliment to him. Personally, the, the organization failed him. I don't know why they put him at third base. Honestly, it made sense to just keep him at second. Or maybe have Simeon play short uh, third. But obviously, Simeon's contract, they pitched second base to him. Hence why they gave him that one-year pillow deal to him for the $18 million. Um, look at it as overpay you can. Um, but they're definitely banking on Simeon being the 2019 version of himself. But yeah, Biggio, even in that Robbie Ray start, the Jays could have got out of it if he made that play. It went through the 5 hole, through the wickets. That's an easy double play ball. Or he could have went home with it. So high, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Biggio's not a third baseman. Doesn't have the arm strength. He's going to kill Vlad at third base. So I'm going to cut him some slack. Obviously, it's early. He said he has had hands injuries in the past and the spring training. I don't really know what that correlates to him playing bad defense. But um, first time playing third base, can't really be mad. But the thing I'm interested to see is how lenient the Jays are going to be with him. I think they've already made that actions speak louder than words say where he's last three games last three out of five he's been at right field so maybe they're saying hey guys we we see your tweets guys jays fans we see your tweets bjo is not third baseman and we'll try our best to kind of hide him wherever we can and as for bachette i was a little harder on him at first obviously early for him the jays have talked to him about his struggles obviously he doesn't have the best arm strength kind of rushes a lot of plays um, hence his name, Bobble Bichette. But uh, I'll give him this year, honestly. I think this year he needs to solidify himself. At the end of the season, if he le- leads the league in errors and he makes some like real bonehead plays towards like the second half of the season, I can see why they eventually want to move him to second base. But it really all depends on two things. Uh, the progression of Austin Martin and Jordan Groshant. And then um, offseason, there's a lot of whales out there, especially guys like Travis Story. Uh, Javi Baez, Carlos Critch, name a few. And maybe even the deadline, they make, I don't know, 
maybe like a too low like splash. I don't know. But in reality, Bobochet gets a pass from me. Kevin Bijan, he's going to step it up in the field. And don't get me started on Danny Jensen. And I think there's a lot of fan questions about that. So I'll save that for later. Yeah, somehow there's a lot of fan questions. I'm sure they weren't specially picked. And Mo, he said he was being a generous, literal garbage. That's, uh, I guess, that's generous. Steve, what do you feel about the left side of the Blue Jays infield? Jeez, Mo, if that's uh, generous, I, I don't want to ever <laughs> piss you off. <laughs> but uh, with, with Biggio, yeah, I, I'm not sure how fair it was of Ross Atkins to just assume that, like, hey, you know, we love our young players' versatility and positional flexibility. Uh, just to assume, though, that he would pick up third base on an everyday basis and just, you know, be comfortable there. Um, you know, going into the offseason, I was like, okay, great. We have a need at third base. So that's clearly what we're going to target. What do we do? We sign a shortstop to play second base and move our second baseman over to third base. So, yeah, I'm not sure how fair that was in the beginning. But then, I, I you know, I start to think about Kevin Biggio and I start to think about his bloodlines and his dad who had, uh, you know, moved around from position to position and done it at a Hall of Fame caliber. You know, I'm hoping that little Biggio here will eventually get out of his own head. Maybe it's early. Maybe there's a few rep. You know, he needs more reps, needs more confidence, that kind of thing. But he really has not looked good. Biggio is Andy Burns without his last name. Please (laughs) don't get it it twisted. (laughs) Andy Burns making an appearance. So, yeah, Kevin, hopefully he can come out of it, though. I, I, I do want to cheer for him a little bit, but I could see him eventually falling to the uh, super utility kind of role where he might find himself in the lineup as a left-handed bat, but at a different position every day. Uh, there's not going to be time in right field eventually here. We got Springer coming back. That's going to push Grichik to right. It's going to push Teo to DH. It's, uh, yeah, is not going to be playing right field very often. Uh, and then in terms of Bichette, yeah, Bichette, I, I don't feel like his... Issues have really been his arm strength. It's been more of his footwork. Uh, he's kind of get caught flat-footed, and he's you know they're both going to kill Vladdy at some point, like you mentioned, Mo. Uh, they're just going to have him run into that guy running down the line. It's it's going to be dis- it's going to be it's going to be a disaster. Let's say that. Uh, so hopefully these guys don't kill Vladdy. But I, I just I, I don't see an internal option. Uh, right now, other than say like an Espinel getting more time, but I I, I think you got to keep running Biggio out there for now. Yeah, so you're basically saying you know it kind of is what it is. You know this is the roster that we have. They're kind of locked into their positions. Simeon's playing second base. That's what he was told when he signed his contract here. If you want to keep Bowitz short, at least for the remainder of this year, the outfield is pretty jam packed. So uh, from the way you're, you're saying it, Steve, it looks like this is what it is. It's going to be the, the roster moving forward, and they got to just deal with it. Is that ultimately what you think is going to happen? I, I feel it's going to it's going to take a little bit more time to evaluate them. I, I'm not like Bo. Definitely, he's going to stay at short the rest of the year. That's yeah. that's my thoughts there. Um, Semyon might get cycled in just to stay fresh there and show his versatility, but the third base is more of a of a question mark right now. And I mean, I think it's even more highlighted just because the offense is struggling so much. I mean, going into this year, we expected this lineup to just, you know, pummel the crap out of whoever they were facing, right? So that hasn't started yet. 
uh, so the you know we can pick on the defense more. But when we're scoring more runs, hopefully we'll let more little defensive miscues slide like this. Yeah, and how about you, James? What is your take on defense? Like, what is the quickest area to improve? Is it just kind of guys playing better, getting more accustomed to it, or has it gotten bad to the point where you feel like they need to make a move, and maybe not today or tomorrow, but on the horizon relatively soon, maybe in a few months, trade deadline, something like that? Well, Steve made a really good point saying that, you know, the outfield's so jam-packed. So it's great all seeing Biggio and right. I know Mo and I brought that up last week, that he should be playing right field instead of third. But when when Teoscar Hernandez and George Springer come back, which are in, it seems like, near days, um, where does Biggio play? Like, I know people say, well, he's, he's hitting terrible. You, you got to play the guy. You know, you, you can't just sit him on the bench and have him come out there every, you know, every four days in a pinch hit situation. You can't do that with Biggio. You know, people are loving Espinal. You know why? Because he's he's playing well right now. You know, if Espinal ends up going in on an 0 for 20 stretch and, and commits an error or two, everyone's going to hop off that train. Having Biggio in that lineup every day. And as much as people, you know, are hating on him, they were all loving him before. But right now, you got to. It, it pains me to say that you have to stay the course, but you just do. And Steve, you made a really good point with with uh, Bo's footwork. And I said it all the time with Tasker Hernandez when I was doing my videos, all the way, you know, when you got traded and all, all through the struggles. I said, you can't teach, and you can't teach a guy with a good arm. Those are those are just natural, God given talents. It's the, it's the brain stuff. It's like you mentioned, the footwork. Those are things that can be worked on. Those are things that it's just a repetition thing as well. So for Bo, I think he'll be fine. We, we can see clearly he has the arm strength. But if he just gets in a consistent you know, footwork uh, you know, o- over time, uh, I think he'll be fine at short. I don't think there will be an issue. And people forget, to, people forget that Marcus Simeon, when he came up to the Indians, was a god-awful defender at short short shortstop he was one of the worst I think one, I could be wrong but he might have made led the led the majors in, in errors by a shortstop in, in his rookie season when he came up he was awful 2015 um, he had like 30 yeah. plus errors or something like that he was the worst for sure yeah he was awful and, and and you know you look at it over the years he's gotten much better and better and better as a defender you know and people forget that and Bo Bichette, who's been in the big leagues, well, I guess it's probably about 162 now, or if not, it's very close, maybe just over. But either way, he has barely played a full season in the big leagues. So I, you got to stay the course with him. With Biggio, it's hard because you can clearly see the, the arm strength we're, we're not so sure about. And when you play third, you got to have the arm strength. And, and that's going to at least for this season, you have to stay the course and just give him give them reps because you've got to keep them in that lineup. Yeah, I think, uh, like you guys mentioned, the fact that they aren't hitting and the fact that Kevin Biggio specifically hasn't hit, hasn't been hitting is a big reason why uh, these kind of defensive struggles get magnified. And James, like, believe it or not, you know, Bobich has played just 96 games at the big league level. So, so far, uh, wow. <laughs> so, so far away from like 162, that's actually a lot lower than uh I thought I checked a few days ago. He was at the low 90s, and it's crazy how a guy who's not even played just slightly over a half season in terms of games played, and he already has these sky-high expectations. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool that he's been uh, hitting so well. You look at his career stats. If you can do that for his entire career, yeah, you, you hit on that draft pick for sure. 
but let's talk more about the offense. Uh, it's been highly publicized that they're off to a slow start. Uh, now, at the same time, you also got to consider that they were without their everyday cleanup hitter coming into the year, Teoscar Hernandez, who was a silver slugger last year and was expected to have a big year this year. They're without George Springer, their offseason acquisition, who's a 5-6 to six win player. Uh, a lot of guys have struggled out of the gates. I do feel like uh, the lineup configuration that they have right now, although I think it's temporary, has been a lot better than what we saw a week ago. But right now, the stats, not pretty. 18th in runs, 20th in hits, 21st in batting average, 26th in OPS. I'll stay here with you, James. Jay's not so far uh, with a good offense. But I feel like there's belief that there's positive progression in terms of their hitting. At the same time, there will be some negative regression in terms of their pitching. Do you feel like the level of progression will outweigh the level of regression from their arms? Oh, no doubt. I think they'll be fine uh, offensively. It's just you, you the approaches at the plate, I think, is the biggest thing. You know, this team gets a little swing happy at times. And you notice, I think, I think Buck and, and, and Dan mentioned in the Tampa series, the Rays, are all they're going to do is throw or slider away. And the Jays are going to chase them. Whether they're trying to foul a pitch off or they're, they're just trying to, I don't know, they, they, they continue to swing at those sliders or curveballs off the plate. If you find a way to lay off those pitches, it changes the entire bat. Look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's like a perfect example of a guy who goes up there almost every single at bat with, with, with the same approach. And he goes up there looking to grind at a bat, looking for one pitch in one spot. And when he gets it, he at least this year, he, he's rarely missed it. And for a lot of the Jays, I think they're guessing too much. They're not going up there with an approach. They're kind of going up there with a whole bunch of things in their mind, and they're just flailing all over the place. And if they go back to it as simple – because you saw what they did against Tyler Glass now. Steve, you mentioned it earlier, how they lit him up in that one in, in, the, in that first inning. No one expected that. But if you go back and watch that inning, the approach at the play was incredible. Every pit – I mean, yeah, he was, he was wild. He was all over the place. But Tyler Glass now, st- his stuff it, – it, be strike stuff. It's supposed to be swing and miss. It's supposed to look gorgeous and then die out out of the zone. But for some reason, the Blue Jays were not swinging at any of it. And then when he did throw a meatball, they crushed him. So, and then the rest of the game, they kind of got away from that. And hence why he dominated the rest of the way. So for me, it's having a consistent approach to the plate. That'll change the entire complexity of this team. You approach but you're looking for one pitch. Don't go up there and think, okay, it's this situation. I'm going to guess this pitch in this location. Okay, it wasn't that. I'm going to guess totally different situation. No, 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 no. You go up there looking for one pitch. And, and you, in the early in the county, you look for one spot. But look for one pitch. If you can, as I said with Kendrys Morales back in the day, he can't hit a curveball to save his life. So don't go up there looking for the damn thing. Like you're not going to hit it. So you can hit a fastball. So go up there looking for a fastball. That's what I said against Glass now. The guy is a great heater. I don't care about all these new pitches he's got going on. He's got a great fastball. You go up there, look for it. What did Rowdy rip a double off the wall? Simeon hit a three-run shot off of fastballs. They go up there with the same approach, and they'll be fine. Yeah, so both me and James would kind of share the sentiment that there will be improvements offensively. Just water's got to reach its levels. There's too many good hitters in this lineup. Uh, we'll kind of go with you now, Mo, and then we'll ask Steve your opinion after. But 
Do you share that same sentiment or are you still not so optimistic that that turnaround will happen quite yet? Um, I do think that they will get better, but there are going to be some guys that did have really good years last year that won't have the same amount. Have good years this year, guys like Telez, especially with the playing time crunch coming up, especially with Gritchick playing better. Obviously, he contributed some a few wins last year. Guys like Guriel, I think he'll turn it up. Um, Guriel's too good to hit. Um, he's hit at every single level in the minor leagues and then, um, then in, in major leagues. Oscar, I'm not really a big fan of in terms of I haven't seen much out of him, especially last until last year. I don't know if he'll impact obviously Springer. Um, like Charlie always likes to mention, Charlie Montoya's hitting is contagious, so maybe Springer eats up and the other guys get motivated to do that. Um, but the point of the bullpen um, regressing when the hitting comes back, I do feel like if the hitters do um, provide the bullpen enough to like manage, not like games like yesterday where it was 1-0, I feel like the bullpen will consistently stay at what they are right now because they'll have less pressure and more to work with. Uh, same with the rotation. They're definitely going to need some runs, but I'm more worried about the rotation, downfall of the rotation, than the downfall of the bullpen. But short, short story short, I do feel like the Jays hitters will come back to earth, but they're not going to get the same production from go- certain guys that they got from last year. So we kind of have a couple somewhat altering opinions. James and I were more so uh, we're kind of on the positive train, the hope traffickers, as Mo would like to call us. Mo's a little more cautiously optimistic, just uh, putting your toes in the shallow water first. Or trade depth in a COVID year. <laughs> uh, Steve, where do you stand? So, you know, some of these guys, they have nowhere to go but up. I mean, you, uh, look at Guriel over 2019 and 2020. He had a OPS plus of 132. His OPS plus so far this year is 31. Like, you got nowhere to go but up there, Guriel. Like, he, he's a guy who I expected to be a big part of this lineup and still think that he will be. So, I, I mean, he's going to get going. Uh, I hate to mention him, Mo, but Danny Jansen's not an 049 hitter. So, uh, he's he's at least going to give you some somewhat replacement level. Oh, yeah, sorry. He's like a 164 hitter. I hey, that's, that's better. Batting average does not matter. Batting exactly. You know, Jansen does. does OPS is like 400. <laughs> but there, there are some guys, and and Mo, I'm with you on Teoscar Hernandez. I'm not completely sold on him being a silver slugger, uh, just because it was a short season and we haven't seen a lot from him consistently. But there's no doubt that his power is there. His exit velocity has always been near the top of the league. Uh, you're going to see Randall Gritchick come back down to earth. I mean, I was talking about this earlier with someone that, uh, you know, maybe his talent is starting to uh, mix in with maturity levels, that kind of thing. And he's, he's put something together, but until I see that over a full season, I'm not going to buy anything, buy into uh, Gritchick's current uh, production. But there are guys like Bo Bichette, Vlad, Lourdes, Cavan. They got to get good. Well, like they're, they're, great hitters they're gonna be they're gonna be good for us so we're definitely gonna see some positivity from the lineup we're gonna start battering some teams uh but like you guys mentioned there's gonna be regression steven matz he's not gonna do this all year or at least not in every start 
and the bullpen is eventually going to take some lumps along the way. Uh, but yeah, the guys like Guriel, and they're too good to just be hitting the way they are right now. Yeah, I just also want to preface by saying that while I'm not saying that Teoscar can be a silver slugger again, uh, well, I'm, I'm not saying that he can't be, but I'm not saying I don't think he will be, especially with all the good right fielders uh, playing in the American League. Obviously, now Aaron Judge over the course of a full year, you expect him to always be in the mix among others. But I do think that with the lineup protection that he has and his power, he's able to have you know some big gaudy numbers, especially when he's healthy. Well, obviously, when he's healthy, um, if he doesn't hit you know 25 plus home runs, then I would be surprised. Hopefully he comes back soon and he'll have enough time to do that. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think they'll be good. I think a big reason why we're all somewhat optimistic, obviously we're varying in degrees, is because George Springer's coming back. He could be back in the lineup as early as tomorrow. Uh, what I want to do, guys, first, you know, we'll get Mo on this because he's kind of plugged in on all the injury news and stuff. I want to go through the lineup, what it'll look like. But before we do that, Mo, uh, what's it looking like, uh, the forecast for Springer? Are we going to see him tomorrow against Mad Max or we got to wait a little longer. Uh, so he did play in um, some simulated games, I believe Thursday um, or Friday and one yesterday. I know Nate Pearson didn't have the best time either in that same game yesterday, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see Springer tomorrow, but I'm not sure if he'll play center field. I think he might DH. That's that's my say. Um, I don't know if his legs are fully ready and. If anything, if he doesn't play tomorrow, I'm not really gonna complain because I don't I don't want to rush the guy, especially if he's he's not healthy. I do think they avoided him from playing the turf in Tampa because that can hurt the legs. So maybe want him to start in the home field. But if he's not in there tomorrow, I definitely won't complain because you definitely don't want to rush something that could potentially be an injury. Like we almost had the injury scare with Ryu yesterday. He should be fine. But Springer, I rather have him you know sit out a little bit more than maybe re-aggravating that injury and going back on the disabled list or injured list. Because those injuries that he did have, uh, those things can be a real pain. <laughs> they, you can re-aggravate those things damn easily. So yeah, I'm all with you, Mo. On, on keeping Springer out as long as he's not 100%. If he, once he gets 100, then, then you get in the lineup. But otherwise, no thanks. That sounds fair enough. Uh, wouldn't that be kind of a welcome? You're back in the lineup. You're making your Blue Jays debut. The whole country's watching you, and uh, you have to go up against Mad Max. That's a that's a bit of a tough uh, introduction, but you know, washed. As long as we get, um, okay, Mo, you, Mo, you got to calm down, all right? The, the negativity is one thing, but calling him washed, he, God, you're kind of crazy. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you're not going to call him washed when he starts the wild card <laughs> game for us. So relax on that, bud. Okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's a bold prediction right there. I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, so now we're going to kind of go through the, what the lineup will look like. Uh, we've kind of been doing a roundtable format so far this, uh, this show. Now we're going to kind of move over to open convo. Feel free to butt in, guys, and uh, exchange opinions. We always encourage that on the show. What will the lineup look like for the Jays? We'll start with position by position in the lineup. So leading off, are we all in consensus that it's going to be Springer? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Springer, hey, Springer, like we said, he can go to Charlie Montoyo. He tells him where he wants to hit. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll just pencil in for the record. So leading off, we got Springer in center field. Uh, how about batting second? Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm cool with leaving Bichette at short in there. Any I've got opinion? Yeah, I got, I got both. Vladdy in second. Vladdy hitting second? 
Vladdy at second. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I'd rather have a couple guys on for Vlad. I, th- I feel yeah. So, that's why I like Bo because he's the, he's he's got those doubles, man. You know, you rip a yeah. double and then Vladdy comes up behind you. So uh, that's my take. Like I, got, I got Bo and Vladdy at two three. Uh, I also think a big part of it has to do with um, you know, the fact that you have Springer leading off and you have Vladdy hitting third. You have two kind of patient hitters who can get on base. You'll probably see a lot more fastballs for Bo, and that's where he usually sells that. He's a guy who likes to expand mm-hmm. the strike zone a little bit more. Not saying that uh, that's necessarily a bad thing. His play coverage is excellent, uh, but he is prone to the strikeout, as we've seen so far this year. Uh, it wouldn't be bad to have a couple guys hitting uh, ahead and behind them that can take their share of walks and see good pitches to hit. So I think that's why I'm going, Bo. Although I don't think that's necessarily a terrible strategy to have Vladdy hitting second either. When you have so many good hitters like that, it really doesn't matter. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, Bo hitting second. So hitting third, it would be Vladdy then, and I guess Bo for you would be Bo? Uh, yeah, Bo. Or it's interchangeable, honestly. But Okay. So the top three, we have some form of consensus. Now it kind of gets a little bit murky. Here comes uh, the funky one. Yeah. Who's are we, we going to have a, sorry, are we going to have a Danny Jason in the cleanup hole there, Mo? I mean, <laughs> I think that's, that might get him going, you know? All right, who's our cleanup hitter, uh, guys? Who are we thinking? Uh, Teoscar. I, you know what? Yeah, I've got, yeah, you know, it's a toss-up between Teoscar and Gritchick, if Gritchick is doing what Gritchick is doing now. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking it's got to go back to Teoscar once his legs are under him and he's, uh, you know, fully healthy. Yeah, I'm with so you here, guys. Tear it for. Yeah. So the qu- the question is: Is he your usual DH, or is he going to be playing a lot more in the field? Because when you kind of look at the defensive alignment, he's what your fourth best outfielder defensively, right? Mm-hmm. He's my DH in my. Oh, yeah. I penciled him in on DH. Yeah. Okay. I got him at DH, That's and then then my take is Grich Grichik. If he's hitting the way he is right now, I got Grichik at the five, and he's playing right. So Grichik's your fifth hitter. Yeah. Okay, I I've got him. Yeah, and then you got that if Grichik goes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you can you can finish now. Go. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I got Springer blow. Uh, sorry, Springer blow. <laughs> <laughs> Springer blow. That's him. <laughs> and then I've got uh, Teo at four, playing DH. Grichik five in right field, and then depending on how Guriel does. He's six right now, but if he starts to pick it up to his old levels, I would might flip him over top of Grichik. Um, yeah, I got, I got yeah, Lourdes, I'm I got fifth. I, I just feel like Randall Grichik, we've been fooled too many times about his hot streaks. I think he's a valuable player. Don't get me wrong. I think everyone's frustrated during the year with him, but when you look back at the baseball card at the end of the year, you see a guy with 25-plus home runs, a solid defender. Yeah, he doesn't take walks, but I think – him hitting near your bottom of the order, I have no problem with that. I, I just feel like his cold streaks, they're a little too much for me to overcome. I do expect that They're Goriel, cold. Yeah, they're cold. I do expect that Goriel will kind of level off to a more consistent player as we move over to the months. So that's why, cold. that's why I think he'll be fifth, hitting fifth. My, okay, well, my take is is if Goriel is hitting like Goriel can, he's he's my five. Right, and if we're talking over a course of 162, what would the, what would it usually look like? Yeah, I go Guriel the five, and, and that's a tough. It's a toss up for six with me because it's either it, it's either Simeon or it's got to be Grichik. Then, that's a yeah, tough for one. for me, for me, it's Simeon. I have Simeon hitting six. Yeah. Do you guys disagree? Yeah, same. 
Yeah, I again, it it really depends on has Grichik started his general decline or his uh, cold ice cold streak. Um, but yeah, no. I, once Guriel gets going, I've got him up there in five as well. And then, oh, sorry, Semyon at six. Yeah. Okay, so then I, I have Grichik seventh. Then. Yep. How about you guys? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like him down there. He's got good pop down yeah. at the that bottom third of the order. Yeah. Uh, now we kind of move over. Eighth hitter. Who's your eighth hitter on this team? Uh, mine is Jansen or Kirk, whoever the hell's yes, catching. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I think once you got Biggio this low, it makes yeah. sense to just put him as the nine so that he can mm-hmm. uh, be in front of uh, Springer. I mean, I don't think any of us thought he was going to be hitting eighth going into the year, but uh, just the way he's been now, if you know, take him out of that pressure spotlight, let him draw his walks and get on for Springer at the top of the order. How about you, Mo? I have, yeah. Um, we're on eight and nine, right? Or we're yeah, on eight. eight and nine. We're, we're on eight. Yeah. Uh, eight would be uh, give me Biggio, and then nine. You can forfeit no. that. Forfeit nine. I don't want nobody in nine. We're on the pitcher. I have a feeling, Mo, <laughs> that you're right. That's the way it's gonna go. I'm just saying. From a from a theoretical standpoint, Biggio does make more sense. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think Biggio should hit nine or one. Nothing but you, else. You, you know Charlie, though. He's going to keep oh, yeah. 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 as yep. the number nine hitter. <laughs> How about this yeah. proposed? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, James. Well, no, I was just agreeing that that, that Biggio at nine. I mean, I've, I've been saying that since the, before the season started. Because it's just the way this lineup is, you don't need Biggio high in the lineup. You know, putting him at seven or eight just doesn't really do anything for him. It, the walks are kind of meaningless. What if you get a, you know, a, a two out walk for Biggio? Well, great. Now you got Jansen <laughs> behind him. How the hell is that going to go? So instead yeah. of doing that, you get a George Springer up. I think easily he should be plopped in the, in the number nine hole. But Charlie is Charlie is Charlie. Yeah, yeah, and you guys all know my thoughts on hitting Biggio middle of the order. Why I thought that was such a bad idea. We don't need to rehash those things. It's kind of crazy, guys. I mean, kind of looking at the time, we're pressing on 40 minutes, and it just feels like the show didn't really start too long ago. Uh, crazy how we have stuff to talk about. We can kind of go quick through it quickly. Uh, but I think this is a good time to turn over to the mailbag, unless you guys have mm-hmm. anything last minute you want to touch on before uh, we see uh, we check the mail this week. No, let's get into it. Let's do it. So I think that right. with uh sorry before you go ahead Mo I think that you now we have like three people on answering questions it'd be best of like maybe Mo you just directed a question to someone and then maybe other people can chime in after so that it's a, it goes a little more smoothly. All right, for sure. So um first question I actually got this in the DM so we'll get that out of the way. He says um is it concerning that our only potentially the strongest right handing right-hander that we have in our rotation would be an iffy Nate Pearson who we don't even know if he's fully recovered we don't know what the risks are with him so is that concerning to you James that Nate Pearson is strongest righty in our rotation and after that's kind of a mess absolutely I mean there's there's no doubt that I'm I'm worried about something like that because we have no idea what Nate Pearson is we see the minor league stats you see that he throws hard and all that's you know you drool over it but we haven't seen anything at the big league level to say that he's going to be an ace or he's going to be a top-notch pitcher in the game. And we've talked about, and we've mentioned it quite a few times on the pod here, 
that uh, that Mats and Robbie Ray, they're, they're going to regress at some point. Like they're going to hit a wall at some point. We don't know how badly it's going to be, but they're going to at some point. And Yankees or, or, or Red Sox or Rays or whoever you're playing, they're going to go right-handed heavy every single time because you've got so many left out there. And you need to split things up. And if if your guy is if your guy is Nate Pearson, I mean, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he he is an ace or he is a dominant pitcher. We've all penciled him in at number two. So uh, I'm definitely worried that we don't have a dominant right-handed pitcher in our rotation. I mean, you see what Talon Walker's doing over there in uh, New York. I think all Jays fans are kind of kicking the bucket right now thinking about that. But it is what it is. But I'm definitely worried about it. See, um, I'm worried about the fact that we only have one righty that has the potential to be effective starter. But I'm not as worried as you are, James, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Nate Pearson, while, yeah, you can mention that he didn't have necessarily the greatest results last year in a very limited sample. I think that if he's healthy, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who can throw the ball really hard. I thought his curveball last year was a lot better than it was advertised. I thought um, it was a lot more powerful, had a lot more break on it. I was actually really impressed with that. So I feel like if he's healthy, I'm counting on him to pitch big innings for this team moving forward. I'm not so sure it's necessarily wait and see. I think, yeah, there could be an adjustment period, but I feel like he's got the tools necessarily to be great. And if he's healthy, I'm not entirely worried that he won't end up being a serviceable rotation pitcher for this team, at least this season. Um, and for him being the only righty, Look, I think you have the trade deadline. That's where you're kind of hanging your hat on. Now, obviously, are you going to be competitive enough while you get there? I think they will. I think they can. They have the ammo to make another move. So I'm a little less concerned about that than you are, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of treating Pearson like a prize fighter, making sure that he's ready to go longer and deeper into the year rather than have him uh, scrub out these April starts. but, you know, James, you're right. We haven't seen much at the major league level. I mean, we did see him strike out five or six rays there in that one playoff game that he was in. And that was juicy. That's something to dream on. But, uh, yeah, he, you know, we can't just throw him in there like Vladdy and think he's going to be a generational guy right from the start because Vlad, Vlad wasn't either. right? So uh, he's going to have to uh, kick it around in the four or five spot and, and prove his worth. But it is concerning if, uh, you know, if, if the injuries are a legitimate concern. I know he's had some freak injuries, but uh, I'd almost rather him like, hey, you don't need to throw triple digits. Just throw 95 and know where it's going to go and you know, yeah. just back off that way a little bit. But uh, I'm, I'm not as concerned. I'm more on Rob's side here. Let's hopefully tread water and maybe there's a deal coming too until we uh, when we get to the deadline. For people who are also concerned about Nate Pearson's rough rookie year, look at Roy Halladay's rookie stats. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not like I'm not worried about like that. It's just we haven't seen it yet, you know. And the, and the fact, the fact that he has not been healthy consistently, and, and yeah. the injuries that he's had have not been like oh, you know, on the IL for ten days and then he's then he's back in action. He's been out for like months or six to eight weeks or. Whatever the case may be, they have not been small injuries for Pearson, and he's had quite a few of them uh, over the last few seasons. So, those are the things that I'm a little worried about. Um, definitely trade deadline. Like, I, I, I'm with you guys on the fact that the Jays are just 
they're no doubt going to look at right-handed starting pitchers at the deadline, depending on who's in and who's out, and if the Jays are in and if they're out. So as of right now, yeah, I'm worried. But come trade deadline, we know they're going to do their due diligence and acquire like a Taiwan Walker or whatever. Uh, I think they'll be fine after that. But as of right now, I'm worried, yeah. We might actually uh, be getting a scouting report here on Tuesday, a, a guy who's a potential trade candidate, uh, Max Scherzer, in his last year with the Nationals. Wouldn't that be something? Sign, sign me up. Get, get Mad Max in game one and then get Ryu in game two or, or, get, or vice versa? My God, that's ugly. I'm a, I'm a lot less concerned with those two up top. Yep. Let's say that. Yep. I'm okay with Steven Matz going game three or Robbie Ray going game four. To go game five, I'm okay with that. We're not going to have five pitch starting pitchers in the playoff game, the playoff series. But anyways, yeah, absolutely. And I guess add on just a bit before we move on because I know we're on a time constraint. Dave Pearson's turning 25 this year, so he's not too young. Yeah. So I do think he has a lot of potential. I just like James said, we have to see it. So moving on to the next question coming in from I know it's a short sample size, but this guy wants to know. Montoyo a grade for the season so far A to F. I'll give this to you, Rob. You know how we all feel about this. It's all these questions about Charlie Montoyo. I know that it's like the popular thing to hate on the guy who's in charge, but again, there's only so much he can do when he's got all these injuries and the fact that he's not even really managing the game, that it's literally a computer managing for him. Uh, to me, it's it's so incomplete that I, I don't even have a grade to give him. I'll give him an arbitrary grade. Let's say a B so far because they've kind of been like around expectations. They haven't exceeded expectations or significantly disappointed. So I'll give it a B. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a B plus, and I'm gonna I, for some more or less the same reasons as you, Rob. Um, with with the injuries that he's dealt with, and we got to remember this, right? If we're talking about just just the season, fine. But if we're talking tar- Charlie Montoya over his ten years of Blue Jay, look at the seasons that this guy has dealt with. You know the the horrendous year uh, in twenty nineteen. He played sixty odd games in in twenty twenty, which we all know was a gong show. But you know the Jays made the extra wild card spot. But and this year, and it's still not even a regular season. You don't have fans. You're not playing at home. All this crazy stuff. And what else can this guy do? He's running out the guys that he gets given. He's, he's firing up these starting pitchers as much as he can. He's putting a lineup together. He's, you know, he's doing everything he can. He can't do anything about Gurriel hitting, hitting a buck 50 or a buck, you know, buck 90, whatever he's hitting. He can't do anything about Biggio hitting a buck 70. You know, th- those are things that he can't control. He's just got to run them out there because these are your starters. These are your guys. It's up to them to play. And I think he's done a fine job. Has there been some question marks? Of course, every manager is going to get questioned for moves. It, we, it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have that job if they, if they, if they, if they didn't know that there was questions all the time. You know, who, why did they put this guy in, or why is this guy hitting here? Why is this? It's always going to be question marks with managers. Why did uh, what's his face take out uh, Blake Snell in the playoffs? Well, certain things, right? Question Kevin Cash. Yeah, he's a great manager. So. Uh, injuries and you're not playing at home you're not playing at, at rogers center and whatnot uh and the fact that you're 10 and 11 and the pitching staff's been unreal now you gotta I, you gotta give him a little bit of credit for that 
I can jump in here. Uh, like you said, James and, and Rob, uh, he gets a little bit of slack from me just because of the underperformance and the injuries he's had to deal with. Uh, I'll probably grade him a little less favorably. I'll go B minus. Uh, more just for you know having a little too much reliance on a veteran up top like Marcus Semyon when that change uh, probably should have came a little bit sooner uh, or not have happened at all having him bat number one um, but yeah no he he gets a little bit of a break from me just because of uh, the injuries and, and, and underperformance so I don't think there's much more for me to say about that Absolutely, and we'll move a little quicker, just more rapid-fire style, just for time reasons. Um, friend of the show, Jay's Talk with Jay asks, I've now had Sheldon, Rob, and Steve on my show. Who should I have next? So. You can have any of us. Goddamn, I'm ready to talk Blue Jays whenever. I'll, I'll, we'll say, uh, so James, just pick up. James is a, a great interview, so Jay, if you're, if you're looking for my take, uh, go with James, man. The guy's, uh, the guy's a pro. He knows, he knows his stuff. James, man, you absolutely crush it on those interviews with the uh, former Jays. I love watching those. If Jay is listening, James is definitely your guy. Or if, uh, or you know, switch it up. Have Ann on the show. Who knows? Like, <laughs> we're, have man- yeah. have manager Bree on there. Absolutely, anyone from our Blue Jays Center team is going to give you a great oh, yeah. interview. There's no question. Retired for one-on-one interviews. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I've been traumatized. <laughs> So, All right. so, 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 what's so the, the next an- question? So, so, so the answer, the final next answer question. is is anyone but Mo, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As per Mo. Yeah. Loyalty is loyalty. All right. Uh, next question coming from Bizad, who's always watching our live shows after All the right. games. We thank you for that. Um, top four Jays front runners to be All Stars right now. Oh well. Uh, uh, who's starting? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you can take him in. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll be quick with it. Ryu, Vladdy. Mats. I thought, it be, I thought it, yeah, definitely Steven Mats. Um, and it wouldn't it's kill an, me to say Boba Shet in there. Well, no, those, are, those are my four. You got them. <laughs> see, uh, I feel like you can have um, the best bullpen in baseball and then not have one true. guy. On there, so I'm True. kind of debating who because really there's not necessarily been one dominant guy, it's kind of been a collective effort. All right, how about we kind of transform this to a different question? If you had to choose who's been the Jays' best reliever so far this year, who would that be? Oh, that is a good question. Yeah, Phelps. Phelps is good. Uh, Mays is also like lights Phelps. out. Phelps got a 108 ERA. Uh, yeah, he's he's done it over more. Howard has zero. Howard has a zero. Why yeah, yeah Chatwood's only, only four and two thirds. Yeah, yeah. Four and, and Castro's done six innings of zero. That kid's unreal. Well. That kid's unreal. Oh, yeah, Castro's nasty. Unreal, He's got seven. Mono's been pretty ass. Who's that? Sorry, Mono's been pretty ass so far. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well. yeah Mono, he's had a couple bad uh, performances here, but who is my guy? Yeah, I would definitely say Phelps as well. Let's go with that. Alone. <laughs> his numbers are a little you know what Malone has 16 K's over 10 and two thirds like that's a little bit surprising but uh, yeah he's he's a bulk reliever yeah that makes me say wow and congratulations at the same time <laughs> okay what's the next question congrats on getting DFA tomorrow sir. 
Oh, God. Enjoy the taxi squad. (laughs) All right. So, next question comes in. I mean, the first of many Jansen questions. So, I guess we we can kind of combine them all together so we don't have to talk about it quickly. So, one, um, one, can any of our catchers from the alternate site get a a shot to provide some offense? Two, at what point does Jansen get traded? Pittsburgh made in a logical sense. Daniel Tiller says that. And then someone says, what's the fix that Jansen is hitting? So anyone want to take that? Yeah, I, I can take that. Okay. Catchers hitting at the alternate site are on the alternate site for a reason because they're not great. All right. Let's, it's that simple. There's, um, there's what? 60 One catching ladder. jobs out there? <laughs> there's just 60 <laughs> catching jobs out there in the big leagues, and they couldn't land one. So that tells you what you need to know about that. And look – your ace, your best pitcher who signed here for $80 million, loves catching to Danny J- loves pitching to Danny Jansen. Steven Matz has had a great time pitching to Danny Jansen. And as for the trade rumors, yeah, I'm not sure what kind of a trade value a guy with an 049 batting average has. So Wait, Mark, Mark was trying to love pitching to Deanna Navarro. Ari Dickey loved pitching to Josh Tolley. Doesn't make a yeah, difference. Yeah, but when, when, when they left, so did them. You know what I mean? It was kind of... You know, symbiotic. It's like when one guy left. Yeah, so if Ryu gets so if Ryu gets injured, there's no need for Jansen. All right, well, boom. Well, well Matt's has pitched well too. Well, Matt doesn't need Jansen. He didn't sign here for Danny Jansen. People had Matt slotted to be in the bullpen. Well, you're okay, very but, defensive. Oh, okay, but like so far this season, the early returns have been great. Why would you want to mess that up? I don't like Danny Jansen apologists. Who, who's who's the alternative? And don't say I guess Riley Adams when the season kicks off in AAA, but even then he's an if. But there's Juan no Gra- other Juan option. Juan Gra- no, Gra- don't. OPS no. starts with a four. <laughs> oh, you didn't. I mean, Steve already brought him up. I thought that was enough. Juan Gratterall <laughs> talk for the for the for the five dollars. Dan- Danny Jensen's here. He's going to be their catcher at least for the rest of the season. And yep, I'll, I'll say this too. It, it's more emphasized because of how poor the lineup is hitting right now. Danny Jansen yeah. brings a lot to this game. Yeah, we mentioned that we're, our AL or our pitching staff is what third in the MLB right now, mm-hmm. and, and that's in large part to uh, the work that Jansen does. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's great defensively, blocking, pitch framing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I will say this: Kirk hasn't looked as bad behind the plate as I thought he was going to be. He hasn't. Looked I agree. That overmatch. So maybe it's a a fifty fifty or sixty forty or fifty five whatever uh, kind of split between the two. But uh, what you know, Jansen's not an o forty five hitter for the over a full season. He's gonna. He's got nowhere to go but up. And look at him yesterday. He made some good contact yesterday. I uh, just can't seem to buy a hit right now, though. Look, I think it's conceivable that Alejandro Kirk does become the everyday catcher at some point this year. But what I don't agree with is the DFA Jansen, trade Jansen, release Jansen, that there's better options out there. I, I don't agree with that side of things. No, I'm, I'm all with you guys. Does he have, does he have options? Does he have options? But who's going to come up and replace? Yeah, exactly. It's... Riley Adams. And catch Ryu. Riley, <laughs> never, yeah, come you on. Have, you'll have, you'll have, my goodness, you'll have Ryu who can't speak English very well, then Kirk who just can't speak English, and that would be just a disaster waiting to happen. And then Riley, really. Okay, Mo. That, that would be the best conversation between Kirk and Ryu, two oh, guys man. who don't speak English at all. Can you, you imagine bring, how long those mountain visits would be? My goodness. Bring, bring in both interpreters. <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, speaking about interpreters, we will be having James on the show tomorrow hosting Henderson Alvarez. Quick plug right there. With our very own interpreter, so make sure you guys tune into that. My next question comes in from trade question. Should we trade for Chris Bryant or Madison Bumgarner at the deadline? If they're available, why the hell not? You know? Another lefty, though? Yeah, isn't yeah, he in like yeah, year two true. of a four-year deal, too? I don't think he's getting moved. Uh, yeah. Chris Bryant wants to see more realistic. Danny Duffy is a better lefty, a rental duck. But if the but if the if the Royals are good and if the Cubs are good, why the hell would they trade? That's my next point. Yeah, James, like like you said, if the Cubs are still competitive, they're not going to start shipping these guys off. They're actually talking extension with a few guys like Rizzo and and you know Bryant might fall under that too because I mean he's off to a tremendous start. Talking about him recapturing his MVP form. Big reason why it's. Trade talks are always fun. Everyone loves transaction talk. Oh, but yeah. When you're this early into the year, it's it's kind of seems pointless because you have no idea who's going to be good and who's not going to be. I mean, you do have a general idea, but for the most part, you never know for sure. I thought, yeah, going, for sure. I thought going into the year that uh, we were going to trade for Bryant because he was coming off a really bad year in 2020. He wouldn't have cost much as a rental. And hey, if we just had him the one year and offer him a qualifying offer, we get a draft pick back, or he has a good year and we're not competitive, we trade him. Uh, but yeah, no, apparently we like Semyon better and took a shortstop, played second, then moved Biggio to third, which we're. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're paying for correct. it. Mm-hmm. All right, so last question before we wrap it up is it's a pretty interesting one. Who's an underrated prospect that you all guys like in the Jays Farm system so far? And Steve, you can go ahead. Ooh, yeah, go ahead, Steve. I hear this one. Oh, okay. So who's underrated? Uh, so I guess no, we're going to... Not a lot of people talk about. Okay, so we're going to... Yeah, well, let's just rule out the top 10 then. Uh, or for me, anyway. I'm going to go down the list a little bit. I'm going to look at Joey Murray as an arm right. that I think yep. could be a contributor even as close... Like, as soon. Soon. He could be a contributor... In the next couple months, I think uh, he's put up decent enough numbers, but he's shown like that acumen. Like he's he doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's got really good command of the zone. I think he's uh, he's ready to become like that next. You know, as guys evolve into new roles, we need guys to replace the roles that they filled. So, like a TJ Zoic, he uh, now it could be Joey Murray kind of filling that role as the taxi squad, long reliever, bulk reliever, whatever you want to call him, uh, he could see some time for me this year. I guess I'll go next. And the guy coming off Tommy John, who was, you know, insanely highly touted. And then he obviously had Tommy John surgery and really kind of hasn't been talked about at all as really being in the plans, you know, is Eric Perdino. This guy, I mean, he was electric stuff in the in like really low in the minor leagues when he was a teenager. And I had Tommy, and in his start uh, in in Lansing, I think it was in A ball, he was doing amazing. An ERA of shade over two, like he was he was pitching really really well. Um, and coming off Tommy John, sometimes we hear that we actually hear quite often that pitchers come back better. Uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery. So uh, a young guy that that really has been forgotten about. Uh, I think he's ranked 15th in the Jays minor league prospect system. So I think, yes, I think Perdino is yeah. one for me. And a guy that's 
you know, Steve, you said stay out of the top 10, but I think, I think Kloffenstein is at 10. Oh, I love So I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. go with him. <laughs> that guy is damn good. And he's not but, being talked about at all. But do you think like, uh, like how close are those two to the majors? Well, yeah. I, I was kind of looking at yeah. more like who could be a contributor this year, but I love Pardino. He is just yeah. like, I, I created him three years ago on MLB, the show. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> just kind of, you know, <laughs> watched him take over a rotation spot but Kloffenstein love him too you're killing it you also kind of look at uh this guy that I think a lot of people seen clips of but uh I can't pronounce his name correctly if I'm wrong but is Jasper Zulieta am I correct oh, yeah. yeah he throws okay. gas yeah so it's like he looked good uh, in the spring yeah yeah, yeah he was good so in the spring Maybe, who knows, he could end up, maybe not this year, but end up being a solid late-end reliever with that kind of movement. If he can ever somehow harness it, maybe uh, work his command, then I think he could definitely be, uh, you know, maybe another find like an Anthony Castro. I have a, I have a good one. Oh, God. Let's hear it. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about this guy before. Um, First-round pick, TJ Zork. Nobody really talks about him. All right. But- so that's going to wrap it up, right, Mo? That, that, that's going to wrap the pod up now. Hey, that, that's the best mound visit is five foot six Alejandro Kirk and then yeah. whatever, six foot seven <laughs> TJ Zoik. It's like your baby brother. <laughs> All right. Well, Patrick Murphy. Patrick Murphy's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure he's underrated, though. I think like he's relatively publicized. Am I, am I not mistaken? He's he's coming off injury too, isn't he? Coming he's always injured, injury. so a lot of people just kind of yeah. forget about him. Didn't yeah. Murphy have that really like uh, crazy road to the big leagues? I think he, he pitched it a little bit last year, but his road to the bigs is insane. Didn't in I think it was in Double A. He was told that like his delivery is illegal, and he had to like remaster the entire thing and do it all over again. It was something along those lines, and it's just incredible. And then he got the chance to pitch in the big leagues last year, so it was a pretty cool story. I will though. Everyone like loves talk about prospects being exciting, but we must caution that you know the majority of the Blue Jays' top thirty prospect, the vast majority, will probably not amount to anything in the big leagues period, and maybe not even with the team. You kind of look at the top ten prospect list from ten years ago, and yeah, there's a lot of misses. And obviously, you know, you have a new regime and all, but just be cautiously optimistic, Blue Jays fans, when uh, you go through your prospect rankings. You, you remember want to talk about a miss. Randall Gritchick was drafted before. I had a mic trout. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to hear the crazy Angels thing? Ball. Go ahead. You want to hear a crazy thing? I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was in the top five at least a couple of years back. I think Nate Jansen was in the top five of the Jays' prospect system. So, oh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm yep. just going to leave that there for a moment. Yeah, Kyle, Drabeck. Kyle Drabeck was like the Jays' best prospect 10 uh, years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he had, to- he had two Tommy Johns, so I, I give him that. Like, uh-huh. he-, he-, he just come out and be terrible. Like, he wasn't great no matter what, but I don't know. I give him a little bit of slack. Are you guys ready to hear some of the names on the Blue Jays' top 30 prospect list from 10 years ago? Oh, yes, oh, please. God. I think I've read okay. these before. Right. Well, we'll start from the bottom up. Right. Chad Jenkins. <laughs> Number 24, <laughs> Justin Nicolino. Number 22, Joel Carreno. Mm. I remember that name. Wow. Yeah. Nicolino was all right, though. He was one of those big three with uh, Syndergaard and Sanchez at the time. Number 20, Henderson Alvarez, who, you know, he did have a solid Mm -hmm. career. He did have a solid career. We'll have him on tomorrow. We're excited for that. Yep. And he was an all star one year. Danny Hechevarria. Chad Jenkins. 
Jake oh Marisnik. Jake Marisnik was ended up having a solid career, just not with us. But yeah, he's you, like you, your, you, your prototypical fourth outfielder. He could play all three and, and has a little. What's the J signed him? Pop. You, you see a lot of Griffin Murphys and Dickie Joe Thon, Kellen I've Sweeney. Not, what the hell it's like a bunch of guys that you've never even heard of. Anthony did Ghost. you say? Did you say John Ford Griffin? Who? What? What did you say there? Dickie Joe Thon. That's his name. Oh. That sounds like a guy oh. back from like the 1920s. Like, what's going on there? Uh, yeah, that's Dickie Thon's son. He's actually an old baseball there player. <laughs> there you go. Uh, number Deck three, McGuire. Deck McGuire, number three. And oh, Zach Christ. Stewart, Worst number Deck McGuire. Wow. Anyway. If, I, if uh, I'm not mistaken, that? Jenkins or Deck McGuire, one of them was drafted before Trout as well, too. Bottom line, they were both trash. Exactly. You want to, you want to see the <laughs> caption at Deck McGuire's profile? I don't expect that he'll need a lot of minor league time, a number three starter type at worst, and could be more. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Ooh, safe to say that that scout's not... Uh, Putting that on his resume. That, that scout is not around anymore. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys, uh, that'll do. We're kind of going off to prospect list from 10 years ago. That's usually a good time to cut the show. We really appreciate you guys for joining me as usual. Big thanks to Steve who made his Chase Banter debut. Hopefully you can come yes, on sir. a little later, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I, I, you know, I've, I've loved you know, I'm in Alberta now, so I don't get the opportunity to talk Jays too, too much anymore since I moved from Toronto. But, uh, you know, it, it's been a great ride working with you guys and uh, it, you guys entrusting me a little more with the hosting here and there. It's I, I love it. Thanks for the opportunity. You got it. We, big thanks also to our listeners who listen to our podcast, who follow us on Ad Blue Jay Center and who watch our post game shows would be where we are without you guys. And you know, stay tuned. We'll have a smorgasbord of post-game shows for the next week, as we usually do, uh, for all the Blue Jays games. And until next time, go tomorrow's Jays. Whole, whoa, go Jays. Hey, go we, Jays. We, got a, we got a heavy hitter uh, lineup tomorrow. It's all four that's of us. I was just going to say that. All four of us are on there. <laughs> Who, yeah. Who's hosting that one? <laughs> well, that's what we're going to have to figure that one out. <laughs> uh, oh, you want to host? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you tune in. You'll find out exactly who's hosting. You'll find out mm. if the Jays can make an impression on their future deadline acquisition. Max Scherzer. We called it here first, Oof. so give us credit. Anyways, take it easy. Go Jays. Go Jays. Go Jays. Go Jays.